Welcome to the Binge on This podcast, a podcast that you can safely binge and actually lose weight with Michelle Hasty Thompson. Hey there, let's talk about self-sabotage. Last week, we talked about how the brain is not weak when it hyperfocuses on food and that your body is really the one asking for the food. And I already know the questions that came up. But what about self-sabotage? What about the times that my body says one thing and my brain says another? And most importantly, how the heck do I know the difference between body communication and my brain sabotaging me? Today, we're going to talk about this idea of self-sabotage so that you feel really clear about what your body and brain need. But before I do, I want to thank you so much for showing up and tuning in. This podcast is inspired by you, and there's nothing more important to me than you walking away with permission to be more of yourself, including having your ideal body. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Nothing makes me happier than knowing you're picking up what I'm putting out. Also, send any questions or topic ideas to info at TotalBodyHealthSolutions.com or shoot me a message at Instagram at TotalBodyHealthSolutions. So, let's talk about this. Self-sabotage in the way that I define it and the way that my clients often define it is when something inside of your brain, some subconscious pattern or program is overriding what you and your body want and sabotaging your best efforts. So for example, if you have a subconscious belief that you're not worthy of being thin and happy, then the belief is that you will try to do a weight loss method and this subconscious programming of I'll never be thin and happy tells you to eat 10 cupcakes or tells you to skip the gym for three months or however it's sabotaging your efforts regardless of how badly you want them. And so the confusion is when I, when I feel like eating a piece of chocolate, Is it my body saying a piece of chocolate would be really pleasurable and delightful right now? Or is it my brain saying eat the chocolate so you never lose weight and you're never thin and happy because then we'll fulfill this prophecy of we're never going to be thin and happy. And a lot of people get stuck here. Now, first of all, it is important to understand what some of your limiting beliefs are and what some of those subconscious patterns are because we It's really challenging to move forward powerfully when we have underlying beliefs that we're not worthy and that we're not going to do this. The way that it's going to show up, though, is not really through food cravings and exercise cravings. It's going to show up through your motivations and your consistency. And that's kind of its own separate topic about what helps us stay motivated and consistent. But it's not showing up in eat 10 cupcakes so that you never lose weight. And I know that that's really confusing because it seems like a natural place where we would see sabotage show up. And because when we think about what we really want and then we watch our behaviors completely do the opposite of what we want, it looks like sabotage. It looks like we're crazy and that we're the insane people because we say one thing and we do another. And it's really hard to understand why we would ever do that. And it seems really natural that we would just call that sabotage. I don't really think that sabotage is what we think it is. To me, that definition of self-sabotage where we have these underlying beliefs and then 
those limiting beliefs are dictating what we do in a way that is the antithesis of what we really want. I think that that's not really what's occurring there. I don't know if we're really ever self-sabotaging ourselves because if we really, really want something, we'll usually push through those limiting beliefs even if they're there. In fact, it's pretty challenging to change a limiting belief without noticing a change in something like external or behavior-wise. A good example of this is if you ever researched David Goggins or read his book, he has a great book out called Can't Hurt Me. And he talks about the accountability mirror in which he looks in the mirror and he says all those limiting beliefs to himself. And he looks in the mirror and says, is that really what you want to be? And it motivates him to do something because he doesn't want to fall into those limiting beliefs. But those limiting beliefs were still there and he was still out there doing things even with those present. And when I think back about when I was really deep in my limiting beliefs, I don't think they shifted first and then I started to be successful. I think I noticed them and said, the hell with it. I don't really care if you're going to be there. I don't really care what you're saying. I'm not going to buy into it. And it wasn't even that conscious even. It was just, well, that's just going to be there and I'm just going to do my thing regardless and see what happens. Now, if I would have viewed my behaviors around food and exercise as connected to those limiting beliefs, I would have seen that as self-sabotage too. And I can remember back when I would binge eat every single night and I would overeat at every single meal. But that morning I would say, okay, I'm going to beat this weight loss thing that when I would binge eat, I would think, man, I'm just sabotaging myself. What's wrong with me? Why do I keep doing that? But the crazy thing is that as soon as I stopped restricting, as soon as I stopped depriving, and I really started tuning into my body, all of those problems went away. My limiting beliefs didn't change yet because I didn't even know this was even possible yet. So it's not like I went through all this personal development work and I started to believe in myself and I felt that I was worthy and... All of a sudden, I realized that I'm going to be a happy, thin person, and then boom, the binge eating stopped. It didn't work like that. I just stopped depriving my body of what it asked for, and it stopped asking for crazy things. And it really is that simple. So this is why I don't want you to feel like your brain is the one asking for the foods or the movements that you think are potentially odd. The thing is the body wants more than just nutrition. And I know a lot of people out there teach that the body, you know, food is just fuel and the body just wants nutritious food. It never is going to ask for a Cheeto because it doesn't have any nutrients and why would it ever want that? But remember that there's so many other reasons for food and eating besides just nutrients. And we need to fulfill all areas of an eating experience for our body and our brain to be satisfied because yes, the brain is a part of this in the sense that there's an emotional experience that takes place. And I don't even want you to picture that as necessarily your brain in your head. There's an emotional experience happening everywhere in the body. We know there's an emotional center in the gut even. So you can call it brain, mind, whatever. But the point is that the eating experience is crucial to all areas of the body. And so sometimes you're going to have cravings for things that aren't nutrient-dense, and that's normal. 
It's not sabotage. And if you're depriving yourself of something, you're definitely going to have a craving for it. 100% guaranteed because that's human nature. That's not your brain sabotaging. That's your body feeling deprived of something, even if it's something that it doesn't necessarily want or need. But the minute you take it away, it's like, oh, well, I don't really think about that too much, but now that I can't have it, I really, really want it. And if you get really specific about, well, isn't that technically the brain? You're going to drive yourself crazy because this is not supposed to be an analytical process. You're not supposed to think about it that deeply. You're supposed to have a craving for something and then go eat it with presence and hunger get pleasure from it, or potentially think, oh man, that is so not what I wanted, and go, I'm not going to eat that again, or next time I'm going to, you know, make sure that I have more hunger for it, or whatever experience you take away from it, and then move on. It's not meant to be this trigger for an analytical process of an in-depth, you know, conversation with, well, why do I want that? Am I weak? Is it my brain? Am I sabotaging myself? What about all those limiting beliefs? Could my body possibly ever want Doritos? I don't think it could ever want Doritos. Why would it want Doritos? That's just something my body's going to have to process. Am I hungry for Doritos? Like that is so not the point. It's supposed to be very kind of primal. Like Doritos sound good. Am I hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. I think I'll have some Doritos. Eat Doritos. That was good. Move on. That's all that's supposed to happen there. And instead, we're trying to make sense of all of it because when we are purely living in an extreme version of nutrition, Doritos don't make sense ever. And that goes back to what I've been talking about, which is living in extremes is going to create problems. Anytime you say, I can't have something ever, you're creating deprivation and restriction. And so that's why we might have an over-asking of that thing. For me, I'm all about salt. I love potatoes. Really more of a savory person. But when I was dieting, all I wanted was sugar. I never cared about sugar before that, and I don't care about sugar much now. But in that period of time when I was dieting, all I wanted was sugar. I couldn't stop thinking about sugar. I felt like I had a sugar addiction, which was super confusing, considering I could care less about sugar prior to that. But because I was depriving myself of it, And even though I didn't even care for it much, the minute I said, well, we definitely can't eat sugar, all I wanted was sugar. And I started drinking diet sodas, and I started using artificial sweeteners, and it became a complete obsession and addiction. But it's not a chemical addiction. It's a human nature response to deprivation and restriction. It's not self-sabotage. You're not sabotaging yourself because you want Doritos or chocolate or gummy worms. You're not sabotaging yourself because you stopped eating carbs for three days and now all you want are carbs. That's human nature. That's how anybody would respond. Now, there are people who enjoy practicing restriction and deprivation. They like the challenge. They're weird. I kid. I can't say they're weird because that's not fair. But there is a small percentage of people that enjoy the challenge of restriction. I don't know who these people are. I don't know how these people do it. It is not me. I am not these people, but they do exist. And those people tend to be, I hate to say it, a bit arrogant about their experience of loving to restrict. And they like to take their love for restriction deprivation and kind of shower it all over the rest of us who say, man, the minute I I just don't, the minute I can't have something, I just want more of it. And they're like, well, that's because you're weak. 
and I'm speaking for a collective people when I've only talked to a few of these people, but the point is that that is not the norm. David Goggins, if you read his book, he is not the norm. Like when he talks about, there's another book where he is hired by someone to live with him. And I'm just totally blanking on the name of the book. But the guy who hires him is Jesse Itzler, who's married to the woman who invented Spanx. I just blanked on her name. But the point is, he hires her him to come live with him and train him. And when you read the extremes that this guy puts him through, waking up at you know four in the morning and running in shorts in the snow and um, not eating for periods of time, and like he he is putting him through extreme situations to build his mental toughness. And I'm not saying that that's not valuable. I think mental toughness is important. But I don't think that we're meant to build mental toughness around food and exercise. At least not for us that are struggling with this already. I can't speak for the whole world. But I know for me, when I try to challenge myself and build mental toughness with food and exercise, it makes everything worse. So where I practice mental toughness is within my emotional and mental and spiritual health. I could absolutely practice mental toughness in these other areas without triggering anything that leads to dysfunction with my body and with weight and with food and with exercise. Now, if you like that building of mental toughness with physical exercise, do it. If you like to do it with food and it doesn't create any disordered eating patterns, then do it. But just know that that's specifically what you're trying to do And that that's not how it's necessarily meant to be done. We're not meant to build mental toughness by cutting out food. That's just a way that people can do it should they desire to. And like I said, there's some people out there that actually like to do this. I have one friend that he's gluten-free and he just chooses to be, he doesn't have a gluten allergy. He just chooses to be gluten-free. And when I asked him, well, then why are you gluten-free? And he's like, I just like to see if I can do it. He just likes the challenge. So if that's you, cool. If it's not, that's totally fine. But stop trying to build mental toughness in something that it doesn't need to be built there. You don't need to be good at that. And it's not sabotage if it's hard for you. And it's not sabotage if that's not where you want to build that skill. You can build mental toughness anywhere in your life. I like to challenge myself with the unknowns of just living in the unknown and not needing everything to be already predetermined and how uncomfortable that experience is. I like to challenge myself with trust and faith. I like to challenge myself with my emotional experiences and how much I can get into my feeling space. And these don't have to be yours. But I like to challenge myself with my intellect. I like to challenge myself with my ability to be present and in my body. And these are how I build my toughness, my mental toughness, so that when I think, man, it would be so much easier to do X, but instead I'm going to do Y. That's what I essentially define as mental toughness, and you can build that anywhere. I do not recommend building it with food and exercise. So are you really self-sabotaging, or are you just human? And if you're just human, is that a bad thing to just be human? Are you okay with the fact that You're just a normal human being who responds in a very normal, human-like way. You can trust your cravings. You can trust your intuitive guide for things. You can trust when your brain tells you to eat something that you don't think you should be eating. But where I challenge you 
is to be so present with it and be so part of the experience that there's no way that you could miss any of the communication when you're having that experience. Meaning, if your body says, eat the 10 cupcakes, that you don't challenge it. You sit down and you put the 10 cupcakes in front of you and you take a deep breath and you peel off the wrapper for the first cupcake and you take the first bite and you put the cupcake down and you close your eyes and you taste it and you enjoy it and you ask yourself, what am I tasting? What are the flavors? Why do I like this? Is it too sweet? Is it just sweet enough? Do I wish it had more of this ingredient or less of that ingredient? And then take your second bite and take your third bite and then ask yourself, what do I want? Because potentially you wanted 10 cupcakes when you first saw them. But the minute you started experiencing the first cupcake, you realize maybe I don't want nine more. And maybe you do because you've been deprived of them for so long. Or maybe you do just because you can't explain why. But if you allow the experience to be just that, an experience, you're going to get so much more than just excess calories from that. And I know it's scary. And I don't recommend you do it alone if this is something that terrifies you. If you're not listening to this and thinking, this makes so much sense, I can't wait to start challenging this, then I'm here to support you. Our other people are here to support you. There's lots of people in this field that can help you. But don't look at yourself as a self-sabotager because you have limiting beliefs and you're seeing weird, odd behaviors with food and exercise. It's normal. And you're normal. Or who's normal, to be honest? And if you want to build mental toughness somewhere, then do it. Just not here when we're dealing with weight and food and exercise and disordered eating or dysfunctional eating. It's not the place to do it. You can do it elsewhere or you can do it nowhere. Maybe you feel challenged enough in life and you don't want any more challenge. So don't. Give yourself a break. But experience food and experience movement and experience life so much that you know that what you're craving is truly what you're craving And that you can trust that even if you're craving something that makes absolutely no sense, that you're going to gain something from that experience. That you're going to realize, man, now that I sat down and ate 10 cupcakes, I realized that I absolutely never want to do that again. And I will never forget how this feels so that there's no way this would ever be repeated. But most of the time, if we eat 10 cupcakes, we're doing it quickly and we're doing it with guilt and we're doing it out of restriction and it's happening unconsciously, and we're not getting anything from it, which is why it's easy to repeat it again and again and again and feel crazy. So do we self-sabotage? Probably not. Do we have limiting beliefs? Of course. And what's the best way to banish those limiting beliefs? Just to prove them wrong. And we can do that in so many ways, but not with food and exercise. Just allow that to be the way that you really turn inward and support your body and trust your body and fulfill what it's asking for and knowing that there's always a greater good. So even if it doesn't make logical sense in the moment, that you'll understand why it's happening at some point. And that sometimes it's illogical. Sometimes we want Doritos or cupcakes or things that you could easily say the body doesn't need. But the body might need it for emotional reasons, or the body might need it for deprivation reasons. And if there's hunger there, 
there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I don't even want to say there's anything wrong with doing it outside of hunger, except that if we keep repeating that, we're going to create another problem that we're probably not going to like. So it's not that it's wrong to eat outside of hunger. It's just that that's a signal that something's off because the body's not really going to ask for things outside of hunger unless it's truly deprived and restricted. So then we know, okay, what else is going on here? Because why would my body be asking for food when it's not hungry? So what am I really hungry for? Or what could this be really truly needing or asking for? And the best way to answer that question is to ask the body. I'm not really hungry, so what is it that you really need right now? These are all important things to be looking at. When you think you're self-sabotaging, get curious about it. Instead of just assuming that there's something wrong with you, that you're weak, that you're not tough mentally, and that you're sabotaging yourself because of limiting beliefs. There's so much more to the story here. The question is always why. Why am I wanting food when I'm not hungry? Why am I wanting to eat 10 cupcakes? Or don't ask any questions and just do it with presence and then reflect. Either one of those works. Because for some of you, you're so analytical and you're so intellectual that asking why and getting curious could potentially be negative. And in that case, be present with it, experience it, and then see what happens. If it keeps happening over and over and over and over, then it's probably going to require some questioning and potentially some support. But the main point here is that self-sabotage is not what you think it is and that you can trust your body and even your brain because there's always something to learn and gather from these experiences and that everything doesn't have to be logical because sometimes the body just craves Doritos because it wants balance. I remember being at someone's house and she was an extreme dieter and I think at the time she was doing HCG and literally the entire fridge, freezer, and pantry was like walking into a, like a, a Whole Foods, except there was no anything except for healthy food. Like Whole Foods still had, you can still buy like chocolate at Whole Foods, right? You can still buy chips. Like there was nothing. And I stayed with her, I think it was like three or four days. And I told my husband, I need just like a greasy pizza. Like I cannot eat that extremely healthy. That was insane. Like all I could think about was just like, give me a French fry or something. So sometimes it craves junk food just to balance out all the healthy food because we're not meant to live in extremes. So the big takeaways from today's episode is that your limiting beliefs are going to be there and don't feel like they're going to hold you back as long as you acknowledge that they're there and you keep moving forward in spite of them. And trust your body and your brain. They're not there to sabotage you. They're just trying to find their bearings and balance. They're just trying to get the healthiest place possible, even if that includes cupcakes and Doritos and Cheetos. Because if you've been in extreme deprivation, that is how you're going to find balance. So trust it. And the most important part of all of this, be present with whatever you're doing. If you're eating 10 cupcakes, be present with the 10 cupcakes. I guarantee it's going to be a very different experience than just shoveling 10 cupcakes in your mouth. If you're craving the worst fast food out there, don't eat it in the car when you're driving home. Or how are you going to have an experience with it? 
wait till you get home, sit down, taste it. If you love it, then experience it. And don't be worried about self-sabotage. Trust me, your brain has other things to do and you can build mental toughness in so many ways. And at the end of the day, we're all just human. So unless you're one of those people who truly loves to challenge themselves with food and exercise, this is probably not the place to do it. If you want to dive deeper into this topic, I invite you to download our free report that discusses the three main weight roadblocks that keep women from losing weight no matter how hard they try. Just head to terminatethebinge.com. You will also find our free assessment to help you determine which of the three weight roadblocks you are dominant in with customized training to help you finally end your weight and food struggles permanently. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe.